Welcome back to Master the Marketplace with Caspian. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Master the Marketplace with Caspian. We have a special guest on the show today, Ty Walters, CEO and founder of Seller Smile. I'm really excited to talk to him about the future of customer service, customer experience as it relates to e-commerce and the growth of marketplaces. So we're going to get right into our conversation. So Ty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kanal, and I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. So maybe to get started, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, what got you to being the CEO of Seller Smile. Thank you. Uh, Ty Walters, born and raised in the Midwest, and early in life athletics were huge, and I ended up studying kinesiology in grad school. So uh, specifically, I looked at EMG or electromyography, and that's the electrical signals that your muscles produce. So during that, I wrote some custom code to analyze that data. Later, a few years later anyway, about five, I came back to that as a, a poignant experience in my life, really powerful, and I wanted to learn how to code. So my first step was to get it in, involved with an organization that had developers. I was working at a plant nursery, uh, you know, ba ba making barely minimum wage, and I saw this customer service opening. I heard it was a great entry into tech, and that's what really fast-tracked my professional growth, you'd say. I was hooked, I was addicted, the startup culture, life, Y Combinator, I really took it all in. And during my short time at a company called Seller Labs, uh, who made software tools for third-party e-commerce sellers, I played many roles, starting at the customer service in the forefront of the company, working up to different levels of product management and design, even running internal selling accounts and agencies. But what really we came back to was this customer experience. You know, Amazon knew customer experience was number one, and we know how to do it well, but we saw customers that we were dealing with in the software space always asking us if we had tools for this. At the time, we were supporting a tool called Feedback Genius, which is email marketing automation to request product reviews and seller feedback. And so we were experts in the nature in that uh, in that field, but we didn't really have any solution for the, the proactive or the, even the reactive side of customer service answering different FAQs or helping your customers with returns. So, you know, one thing led to another, and we decided to launch a business doing that, sort of as a, a an experiment or as a side hustle to begin with. But we just kept with it, and it's grown ever since. And we've been doing it full time for some years now, and, and um, we're expanding and We've been doing it ever since. That's fantastic, Ty. So, Ty, tell us a little more about the business, right? Like, you know, what does Seller Smile specifically do? What's your value proposition? Like, just give us a little bit about the business and how you think about yourself in this ecosystem of Amazon tools out there. Absolutely. Seller Smile is your customer service team. So, think of us as anything that you would fall put under the customer service umbrella that would fall to us. This includes primarily email, maybe even some live chat and some reporting around that. But particularly what we've also gotten into a little bit is what we deem reputation management. This would be any public areas of your business that could be your website, but specifically Amazon seller feedback and Amazon product reviews. As your customer service team, we're managing those areas strategically according to whatever business needs you have. So what we've really found is, is um, kind of our value proposition is as product-minded, e-commerce experts who also do customer service well, we know that we deserve a seat at the table when it comes to making decisions because we know the pain points the best and the products the best, frankly. So that's what we try to do is not only answer your emails, but bring those insights up to the decision makers and allow them to help improve their business rapidly. That's fantastic. And so maybe even tell our viewers, our listeners today on kind of the importance of 
a good customer service function as part of their businesses and why it's so critical not only from a not only from a the perspective of you know well we've got to do it but you know how does this really truly add to the business impact that they that they would expect with good customer service absolutely um you may be aware customer service has a bad reputation um, not to disparage anyone or any job, but it, it ha it's compared to the DMV, which is a kind of a slow, bad experience that's maybe outdated. And many companies have that philosophy and treat it as such, and it results in that type of customer service team. We see a great customer service experience as a differentiator between your brand and another brand. This is very important because that experience, if it's initial one, you can win a customer for life. So we really strive to know all the touch points to meet your customer where they are. And we advocate on behalf of the customer to understand why are they coming to us today? How can we answer their question very fast and very accurately? And if we can't, what do we need to do to improve the system? Uh, Kanal, as you're aware, Amazon does a brilliant job at customer service. It's barely not required anymore as a shopper. So that's the type of experience we're trying to create for the customer within an Amazon, we're trying to prevent those interactions from happening with proactive information on the listing, maybe even on the packaging itself. But off Amazon, how can we create that experience, answer their question essentially before they even have it? And does your, does or should customer service extend just beyond answering emails or going through listings and reviews? Like where else is the touch point of the customer as you see the world sort of evolve for where customers are looking for products and or shopping for products? That's a great question. And uh, I'm learning about that all the time. There are some technologies that offer a wealth of information to a seller about a customer. So you can track their activity across the internet in many ways. This will lead to, I believe, many innovations on how we target our potential shoppers, how we cater to them to create a customized experience. We talk about the future of customer service and shopping. I think it's all about an easier experience. What's difficult to do today? What could be faster? What could be have a lower bar to achieve? So when we think about customer service, that's really what we approach it with. Um, I would say, though, different technologies that you also hear said alongside customer service, like artificial intelligence, machine learning, we typically see a little bit less of that impact our day-to-day -day function. Most of what we do is no code or low code, but it's still very manual work uh, that's been uh, leveraged with tools or use of tools. But for the most part, it's real humans behind the keyboard actually deciphering these situations and helping their customer. We prefer it that way because we're able to connect with the customer on a, a more emotional level. I see, got it. And then does that extend to sort of non-Amazon channels. So for example, you know, d does your team also manage like your social media and someone sort of complaining there or giving some feedback on a particular product that they maybe purchased on Amazon or they went and, uh, you know, maybe complained on a forum or they said something on a forum. Like how do you aggregate that data and serve the customer across all these different channels outside of Amazon, even though it might be an Amazon product? Absolutely. So we started off as an Amazon only agency and the forces of the market pulled us into off Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Shopify, things like that. One of the best ways to, as you mentioned, aggregate some of that data is to start with a really effective tool for managing these communications. There's plenty of options out there. The one we use is called Help Scout, but it's similar to Zendesk, similar to many others. What we can do is once we're funneling all the communications into there, like you mentioned from Facebook, Instagram, 
Amazon, all of these marketplaces, then we can start to combine threads of conversations. If we see one customer has reached out to us in multiple areas, we can throw those into the same conversations. We have complete context when we're answering that customer, but it's really the use of that customer service tool that brings it into one visible place. We do manage customer service when we're logging into Seller Central by our seller messaging and eBay and the Facebook page, but that's a lot of extra work and we prefer to you know, use efficiencies wherever we can. But absolutely, Canal, there's many places where these touch points are occurring. They used to be just on Amazon. Now there's multiple places on Amazon. Now there's multiple places all over the internet, maybe that on domains or sites that you're not even really controlling. So. Our goal is to try to identify those with you and where we can interact with the customer, make sure that they have a good experience, a resolution, or that future shoppers can see that your brand is really strong when it comes to helping customers. Right. And that, I presume, would also extend to just beyond serving the customer, right? In the sense that you can bring out a lot of recommendations that the customers is making that might actually go to a product management team in the future or might go back to a management team in a CEO and say, here's, you know, what your customers are saying. And, you know, how does your team sort of give those insights? And then how does that, how do you recommend actions that maybe a company needs to take? Two stories come to mind. Uh, the first one was a situation where we were monitoring product reviews for a company and uh, they were in a space where infants or children would use their products. What happened, it was what popped up in the, the product reviews after a launch of their new product is customers were posting pictures of injuries to their child's face. There was this Velcro piece that had a little bit, been a little bit too abrasive. Our team was able to alert the company of this situation because we saw this pattern. And in a very quick amount of time, within months, they had recalled that version or that style. They had replaced it with a soft Velcro, you know, equal quality, but a little less uh, harsh to the touch and now they have a wonderful product and we haven't seen that type of product review since now was that our fault or i mean was that our, our um, was that attributable to us maybe the company would have caught it but if you're not looking at your product reviews information like that can fall through the cracks Another situation we dealt with a company and, and we're still dealing with them. Their 3PL was experiencing some issues during COVID and, and as all 3PLs were. But in particular, our client sold a, a, an item that needs to stay frozen during transit. This particular 3PL maybe wasn't set up in the best way to cater to that product type. So we were able to provide data around those situations. How many thawed orders did we see? How is this changing over time? What can we change? Do they have something in common? We were looking at zip codes. We were looking at how the, the packages that were, were sent and what type of kit they were with. So we're whenever decisions are needed to be made, we hope to provide data. The customer service team like Seller Smile can dive into that data and help you navigate it when it has to do with customer service related touch points. That's fantastic because I think that's a critical piece. You know, I love like Jeff Bezos. I mean, obviously, I, you know, we're both associated with Amazon and, you know, Jeff Bezos, I, I believe and uh, he has something where every member of his executive team has to go and spend, uh, I think, at a few days each year with the customer service and in at Amazon and see you know how they interact with customers, what do they say, what kind of offers do they give them, etc. And it's so critical that people mistake customer service to not being a core part of their strategy and there's so much data insights retention programs that can be put together you know to increase the lifetime value of a customer just by focusing on this very important function and i'm just so glad that folks like you are leading the charge here 
Absolutely. There's a wealth of knowledge there and it's overwhelming, quite honestly, to try to capture it all and to know what you're looking for. Right, right. So, so tell me a little more about just, you know, how do you think about, um, uh, how, how do you think about the fake review problem that has, that has ex- existed? You know, how do you differentiate between what's truly sort of signal versus noise in this space? And, you know, something that comes to mind is just the, I think it was an article published where Amazon was just cracking down on a lot of the fake reviews and they took down, I think, 5,000 reviews or something recently. So how, how do you sort of differentiate between some of that and like what's real versus what's not? Absolutely. Amazon product reviews has been a controversial subject ever since I've been into e-commerce. And our stance on it from our Seller Labs days even to today is that Amazon has the best minds and technology on it to solve solve this problem. We understand that they're incentivized to solve this because they know what a poor experience it creates on the marketplace when products are getting fraudulently reviewed or incentivized in some way that is skewing the review. They want true, real reviews. Those are negative. Those are okay. But so what I trust in is that Amazon's going to, going to figure this problem out. And as you mentioned, they just deleted some. That's letting me know that it's working and they're finding new ways to identify those. So we are absolutely white hat above the the table. Whatever we can do to get hard-earned real customer reviews and feedback by just delivering a world-class experience, then it turns the product review in, instead of the goal, it's more the result of a really great transaction. And there's many more of those types of results. Right, right. You know, some people keep complaining about, you know, Amazon not doing enough in this space. Like, what's your view? Do you feel like Amazon is doing enough in this space or should they be doing more? That's a great question, Kanal. Um, It's probably above my pay grade, but my opinion is that um, I would say that they're probably doing better than a competitor might. And in the meantime, I think as a shopper, you have to trust that what you see on the internet might not be real. And I think that's the case for any website, but at the highest profile shopping website in the world, it's going to be an issue. Um, I would guess that if Amazon isn't able to fix that issue, that it's going to open up a space for a competitor that has solved that issue because me, myself, not so much. I don't really read reviews, but my wife, on the other hand, she will read 10 or 20 minimum before she makes a decision. If reputation of Amazon degrades to the point where you can't believe what you're reading, but another site offers a better, more truthful experience, I can't imagine why we wouldn't choose that. Yeah. The good news is also Amazon's customer experience goes beyond reviews, right? Like, so in the worst case, you do believe a review. Let's assume it's fake and you buy the product. I mean, the customer service team of Amazon, if you do need to return it or anything, you know, go through that flow. I mean, Amazon is probably one of the best, you know, when it comes to that second piece of the puzzle. So you you have options and you're not really stuck there. So, which is also a, a, a indication of the kind of customer obsession that they promote. Absolutely. The generosity behind that customer obsession as their number one principle is what we strive to achieve in our business as well. It's, I don't want to say unfortunate, but sometimes we find ourselves between the seller and the customer. The seller has a more transactional mindset. They want to give a a fraction of the refund or not at all when we are really standing in front of that customer saying, they deserve this refund, they deserve this replacement, and Amazon sets that bar because if they were dealing with Amazon in this situation, they would probably have that outcome. Right, right. So, Ty, let's talk a little bit about 
you know, the future of e-commerce. I mean, I can certainly give you my view and actually let me give you my view and then maybe I'd love to get yours too. Like I truly believe that the future of e-commerce is is very omni-channel. I truly believe that brands of the future or even now um, need to go back to the basics of what a brand really is, which is an experience that your customer should should get with you. And, and what does that experience look like? And that experience is going to be across various shopping channels. You know, tomorrow, you know, people are shopping on, on TikTok. People are ship, shopping on Instagram. People are shopping on marketplaces. People are going in store. People are going on Walmart. They are searching on Google. And there are multiple touch points for consumers. And brands of the future should really be thinking about how do they take advantage and how do they present themselves to their customer across all these different touch points. Like that's, that's my view. And any brand of the future or a digitally native brand or even existing brand should be really thinking about the customer journey across all these different channels. That's my view. Very omni-channel what do you what do you concur or not number one and then number two is how does customer experience customer service play into this this future that we've just painted out i concur to a degree the way i view it is that when you shop from a brand on instagram or amazon or ebay you're getting a certain peek into that experience it's mainly filtered through the experience that those entities are choosing to show and how their product detail page is developed. There are places where it's a blank slate and the Shopify is one great example of that. What I would see and I, what I see, I think the best brands having the most success, they fully define what type of brand experience they want to have when they have a canvas to create anything on and try to realize that through an entity like Shopify. From there, you can determine here is the entirety of our brand experience. And now, which parts can we bring into eBay or Amazon according to their, their, their details and what they allow sellers to do? As you're aware, Amazon allows enhanced detail and, and A-plus content for brand registered sellers. So this is a way that if you want the best experience for your shoppers, you're going to have to meet some of their criteria, but also have a clear vision of what you'd like if you could do anything. And I think a lot of sellers, they rely too heavily on Amazon's systems and structure set up because it works, but they don't think outside of that. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you, you just mentioned, which is around, you know, at some level, you're also stuck with what the experience is at Amazon or at Walmart or at eBay. And so how do you sort of blend that with, you know, if you had a blank slate, how would you start there and sort of, you know, bring in some of these other elements and take advantage of what these marketplaces already provide? By the way, what's your view on that? Like how Amazon customer experience versus Walmart, eBay, like how would you stack rank compare them? That's a great question. I would still say as a shopper, uh, I, well, I've primarily experienced with Amazon, but servicing those platforms uh, from a customer service perspective, I would say the ease of shopping, the joy of shopping still exists at Amazon. There are many edge cases where that's not the situation, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, but we have the opinion that a better customer experience is one where you can get more granular with a brand and at a higher resolution and engage with them on your terms and you see more of their personality. We see, at least in terms of communication, the opposite trend happening at Amazon. We're seeing templated messaging and more restriction, uh, tighter rules. So Amazon would say that's a better customer experience because it's standardization. You can navigate their pages across brands and across products with better ease, making more confident decisions. But I would say the personality is probably dimmed down a bit. I would like to see 
these platforms offer a little bit more customization, but it'll remain to be seen, uh, you know, what comes out on top. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know Amazon is trying to open up a little more of its customer base to to sellers out there. I know it's not, you know, you don't have access to your customers fully through through Amazon, but it's trying to open it up a little more. And I think that is useful, right? I mean, how can you let brands control the message with their customers while having some oversight through platforms like Amazon? Like, what does that look like? I think it would be an interesting challenge and in seeing how this plays out in the future. Absolutely. And one thing we see impinging that is bad actors ruining it for everyone. Mm -hmm. So if you're spamming the product review comment section, probably one of the reasons why it was taken away. I wonder how sites in the future will handle that type of activity. That's right. That's right. That's interesting. So, you know, there are these companies, you know, like Qualtrics is one, which is a customer experience management platform. Like, how do you see these new age companies that are presenting themselves as like, we are a, you know, XP platform, customer experience management. Like, how do, what's their view of the future relative to what, you know, you are doing or what others are doing in this space? I would say that's an area I, had, I have more limited knowledge of, but I would venture to say that the opinion is a more open experience with more information available to the seller. With more information, openness, trans, I don't want to say transparency, but with more information, we can do more interesting things. I attended a Zendesk conference, and I think the, the idea there is, and Zendesk's philosophy was, we're going to offer a range of tools to meet a customer where they are, which means phone, because some customers and generations like that. Chat, email, maybe even a bot. So now we have our generations covered, but then also how can we gain even more insight into the shopping behaviors, the habits, or the avatar of our customer? Because that's more information that I would use as a brand owner to fuel what I'm creating and where I'm trying to target my message. As we know, you can have the best advertising campaign, the brand campaign, but if it's in the wrong publication or it's, the, it's gaining awareness from the wrong eyes, it's less effective. Yeah, that's a good point that you just made around and I think what you said about Zendex, that's pretty similar to how maybe a Qualtrics would try to position itself as well as saying, look, we're not, we're not, we're in the business of serving the customer after the fact, but can we, can we bring that forward? Can we give you insights and predictions on, you know, how your customers are shopping or what are they really looking for? And can you launch the right experience, the product, a product and or service for them and meet them where they are? And so can you make it more proactive as opposed to the rep that maybe customer service gets, which is a little more reactive? Right. And so how do you how you blend that proactiveness versus more reactive service is, I think, where these some of these folks are, are, are trying to go. Absolutely. If you know that a customer's landed on your website with a high LTV, you can display personalized messaging to them, even tipping your customer service team off that, hey, instead of issuing a, a refund here that's partial, let's give them a full refund because we know this is a VIP. I think the level of customization that's achievable is very exciting. However, you know, the the, the degree to which that can be implemented automatically, uh, that's that's interesting and that's what I'm, uh, I'm standing by to see more of. Right. So, Ty, you know, there's, if you think about, think about the, like, banks, right? And I, I always go back to banks for customer service because they've, got, they've gotten, like, a really bad rep in the, in, in the past. And maybe it's true. Is, you know, you call someone because you had some credit card transaction, some dispute or some issue. And, you know, let's assume that they also solve it for you. But a lot of the bank customer service reps are also trained to upsell you 
or cross-sell you on certain opportunities and they're really sales reps and have certain sales targets. What's your view on whether you should blend the lines between sales and customer experience? And what, is, what, is, what does that mean? This is an interesting topic and um, it's one worth considering. I would say generally, Seller Smile's opinion is that we are more of a support and a help entity rather than a sales entity. But the function is blended and many small businesses don't have an entire sales force to be dedicated towards those activities. What we view is that the best customer experience is not one where the cart is pushed higher and higher, but we're actually connecting the customer with a product that fits their use case and what they're looking for. So that's really what we care about at the end of the day. I, I know it's um, it's a bit disappointing to not go after that higher ROI, but if a customer is looking for something and we know we have it, we're going to try our hardest to connect them with that. So then they end up returning less or they just have a better overall experience of the product and the brand. That's right. I think, I think you said it. That's my, I concur with that opinion as well. It's just at the end of the day, I also don't even look at sales as sales. Technically I added, I look at it as, you know, adding value to the customer and, you know, what's the best way to add value through a number of different offerings that we provide as a company. And so you're absolutely right. If that value add is happening through another touch point in the journey, and that's through a customer service representative or, you know, let it happen. But it doesn't have to be through the traditional means that we are probably used to sleazy salespeople <laughs> that are yeah. trying to, you know, push, push a product down your throat. And absolutely. And Amazon doesn't want that happening on their sales platform, uh, which is why there's very strict rules for how you're supposed to communicate with buyers because sellers would use that email communication system to upsell and cross-sell. Absolutely. While it might increase profits, the customers are probably left feeling a little bit taken advantage of. That's great. Awesome. Well, Ty, I mean, I had a pleasure speaking to you today about all these different topics. It's pretty clear that, you know, you're, you know, well-versed in this space. You're a thought leader in this space. You're, you're, you folks are doing some really amazing work and really fulfilling a very key part of the value chain that is important to continue to grow a strong marketplace business, but e-commerce in general. So I really want to thank you for sharing your insights and coming onto the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Kunal, and happy to share. But before you leave, please tell our listeners, viewers, like how should they get in touch with you? If there's a brand listening, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to, to contact you? You can go to sellersmile.com to learn more about our business. And if you'd like to speak with us right away, you can go to sellersmile.com forward slash schedule. And we can have a chat about your business and your customer service. And we're happy to point you in the right direction. Fantastic. Great. All right, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today at another episode of Master the Marketplace. We talked a lot about customer experience, customer service today, and had a fantastic guest on the show, Ty Walters. So we'll see you again next time on another episode of Master the Marketplace. Bye-bye. Through conversations with experts in online retail, with years of marketing, compliance, and inventory management experience, we seek to empower our listeners to master the marketplace. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time on Master the Marketplace with Caspian.